Hey, this is The Last Coffee House. It is a beautiful Thanksgiving day. And we've got another book ready, but I wanted to do this in lieu just to make it special. I wasn't able to go home this year, so I just wanted to do a quick episode. Now, it wasn't COVID-related that I wasn't able to go. It was actually because I have a tremendous amount of work (laughs) that I have to get done within the next couple of weeks, so uh, I just wasn't able to. Still in contact, in contact with the family, so that's good. But I wanted to talk about some things I was thankful for. Anyway, this was a thing that we did a couple of Thanksgivings where we'd sit around the table and my brother and I would say the most ridiculous, offensive things (laughs) related to being thankful and our mother would give us hell. (laughs) We gave her such a hard time about everything. We made fun of her incessantly, but she is just Sarah Connor in the flesh, so it didn't really matter. (laughs) But I missed that. It would have been a lot of fun. It would have been great to see my nephew, too. We used to do that. We sit around and, and talk about things we're thankful for. At the time, it was primarily video games. But today, my list of the things that I'm most thankful for has evolved, you know, with me. I've, I've aged, I've learned. So now, I've, I've got a couple of things that I'm thankful for. I'm, I'm thankful for Popeye's chicken sandwiches. I was skeptical initially, but I actually, I've had them a few times now. And I think they're pretty good. I'm also thankful for Tulsi Gabbard. If she is ever single, and please give me a shout. I'm thankful for Morgan Wallen. Just a gateway drug to country. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just enjoy listening to the guy. I was I watched I haven't watched music videos in so long and for some reason I just I wouldn't watch his music videos. He's got a second album coming out pretty soon. He's only done one album so far. He's got a second one coming out, but I just I enjoy it when I'm driving around and just and they just keep replaying in my head. I don't I don't know what it is, but I enjoy him. I'd also like to thank Trees for being nice to look at and uh, being made into paper occasionally. Uh, much appreciated. I'm thankful for Trees. So having established those things, I'd like to kind of transition into something a little more serious. And it's these budding authoritarians that we have standing atop our local political hierarchy. The ones who think that it's totally normal for them to be dispensing with things like Thanksgiving, like meeting with your family, legally doing that, or trying to assert from the top down that it's such a bad idea to do these sorts of things. And it's part and parcel of this kind of shift of strategy where the government thinks that it's perfectly okay to drive a wedge in between us and our families. On top of that, we're walking around muzzled by diktat. And I just think I've reached my absolute limit. It's not even that I think. I know that I have reached my absolute limit when it comes to this nonsense. You govern at the pleasure of the populace. You, mayors and governors across the country, are an irrelevant glitch in the history of American momentum. And we have these weird, seedy, grasping people, whether they are members of the House or senators or, like I said, governors or mayors, who seem to be just prying their grubby hands into every one of our inviolable rights. Just as some kind of a tester, like they're boiling us. We're frogs in the pot, and they're trying to see if we're going to jump out. Now we have an election that, from everything that I've seen, I've paid very close attention to these things, and without the kind of joking way that I talked about it in the, the previous time that I talked about it, at this point, I will say that it is beyond a reasonable doubt that there was enough fraud and irregularity to cover the, a sufficient margin in each one of these states. Now, every one of the sources has to be vetted, every one of the theories has to be evaluated by a panel or a jury or whatever. 
But just consider, if it's even a possibility, if there's even a fraction of a chance that an election could have been overturned by the collaborative doings of mass media and celebrity and one or one and a little bit more of political parties in the most powerful, freest country to have ever existed, Mind you, at the height of its powers, if there's even a fraction of a sliver of a chance, we have to be completely cognizant and resilient and crush any of that opposition to the freedom that we set up here. This is an attack on your voice in this country. This is a dilution of your vote. It's gutting that American compact that secretly motivated everyone in this country for generations. That if you work hard, the system was going to treat you as properly as any system can in the modern world. And that no matter what, the system was trying to clean itself up. And that the vast majority of people involved in it had good intentions. You know, whether it was a Democrat or Republican, whether it was a judge or a police officer, or just some election poll worker. There was a level of integrity that we all shared that was part of this American compact that we said that most people in most places, they respect that integrity, they respect the country. But right now, it seems like we have sinister, cynical ghouls festering in Washington, D.C. They want power and more power and more power. They want to decide what we see or can see, what we say or can say, when we can leave our house and for what reason when we can walk our dogs, or when we can see our families. They will lie to our faces and try to buy our compliance. And this isn't restricted to the cesspool, the swamp that is the lifetime politicians. This is now with the ages, with the support, under the cover of a complicit media, of complicit tech companies. And don't get me wrong, there is only one side here. There's only one side on what all of these various players should be doing. It's not a matter of who's going to win the election. It's not a matter of how many House seats or how many Senate seats any given party is going to have or what tax policy is going to prevail over the next four years. That's not what it's about. Everybody should be on the same side of the absolute peak integrity that we can possibly have in this system. And that means our, our fourth estate should be the vanguards of the information of the people and getting that information to the people. They should be doing everything they can at every moment to bring us the fire, to make sure we know what's going on with our government, with our military, with the corporations that they're cozying up to now. And tech companies, you don't have a voice. Your job is to transmit ours. But that's it. That's it for me. Never again. I will never recoil again from a fight or temper my ideas for fear of consequences. In 2020, we, Americans, we have betrayed our charge. We slunk to the election booth in fear instead of loud and upright. Never again. Coffee makes the politicians wise. It was that phrase, that's the thing that sparked me or gave me some interest in trying to really honestly discuss all these different ideas and all these books and give a justifiable opinion that had bigger standards than my side wins. And the state of this country, the state of our union, whether you're a degenerate or a patriot, we have disgracefully failed in ensuring that this country had the right foundation. But I'm ready to do it. Let's put this thing back together. This is the last coffee house. Coffee makes the politicians wise. I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.